is the, I think, the fourth episode of Dragon Digest. Um, I am Delaney Rogers. I am Jake Jor. I'm Tom Romito. And I'm Kevin Kopak. All right, so we are live in quarantine right now amongst the COVID-19 chaos. What are you guys doing to keep yourselves busy during this uncomfort? Well, I guess I'll get started. Um, I strange, well, not strangely, it might seem strange, but I've been doing quite a bit of work for school, uh, just getting stuff together and figuring out how we're moving forward and communicating with the administration and my department members. So that's been taking up a lot of time. Um, but other than that, I've been hanging out with the family, going on a lot of runs, walking the dog a lot, dogs a lot. Um, and doing a lot of crossword puzzles. I'm getting my crossword puzzle game back in shape. I can do every day of the week now, including Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I normally can't do that. So there you go. Yeah, getting my skills. Um, I would agree that a lot of the work uh, for online learning in school has taken a, a good chunk of the work, you know, the day up during the work week. But uh, I've been had a chance to read about three books already that I've got a stack of about eight books deep that I want to get read. And, so three down, five to go, and then uh, I've had two big um, puzzles that were given to our family in the last year that have not been completed. So we completed one la two weeks ago that was a kind of a collage of Democratic presidents, and then right now I'm working on a 750-piece replica of the Declaration of Independence that has been a very slow, tedious labor of love, but it's about done. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing, Dor? Um, well, I've just been I I've, I've been writing a lot. Um, both my brothers have started reading again. Josh has been reading quite a lot. Uh, Ethan just started. I'll probably end up on that bandwagon in a bit, but in the meantime, I've been writing a lot of my own little film projects and scripts and stuff. One other thing that that's been going on here at the Romito House is. Uh, some of you might know my wife has a food business where she produces seasonal blends. And a lot of that has slowed down with, uh, we can't do demos and um, markets and such, but she's been doing a Facebook live shows every day of the week. And so I've, I've been the producer of that. So a part of each day is kind of getting ready for that and then filming those and putting them on Facebook. So that's been kind of fun. Awesome. Are you guys getting any orders? Some, not a ton. It's it's more about, uh, she just loves to talk about cooking and teach people cooking. So it's more about that than it is selling. But we, you know, we get some orders from that. Okay. And you two are teachers at Lake Orion High School. And what department are you guys teaching in? We're both in the social studies department. Okay. Why did you guys decide to do history as your main focus for teaching? Well, um, I don't know. I've never really taught that much history, but I was always interested in politics, even as like a fourth, fifth grade kid. Um, I found it interesting, studied it more in middle school and in high school, took AP Gov in high school, and was really kind of debating between teaching and, and law. And um, I had some success with tutoring as part of NHS my senior year of high school. Uh, just felt like I did it, like it was, I felt like I was helping kids and, and had a little bit of a knack for it. And so I decided to venture down the teaching route and 
see where that took me. But I knew I wanted to try and teach something that was government related in particular because I just really enjoyed the subject and, and like the fact that from year to year, every two or four years, you have a change in who could be running the country and who's making the decisions. And so there's always something that keeps things somewhat fresh. Okay. For me, it was totally different. I didn't intend on doing social studies. I went to school to get a degree in English and my plan was always to be an English teacher. Um, but I had just enough random classes that made up a social studies minor. So I'd taken a history class here and there and a psychology and a sociology. So as I was getting to the end, it was clear that I had enough credits for a social studies minor. Um, and if you get a minor, then that qualifies you to teach in that area. But I had never taken a government class and I figured there'd be a chance that I would have to teach government. So my senior year in college, I took a government class um, that I really, really liked. And so then once I started teaching, I actually did get hired to teach in my minor, which I, at the time I wasn't all that qualified to do, but technically I was. Um, but I had really liked the government stuff. So then when I went to graduate school, I studied political science. So, so I added that to my you know, educational background and then also just the um, experience teaching social studies and US history and world history. So it sort of came about almost by chance. And here I am. Awesome. So different roads. Indeed. Roads. Yeah. Are there any specific memories that kind of were like your like eye-opening moment? Like, hey, I love my job. I love history and politics and social studies and all that good jazz. <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure that there are any like big significant memories. There's a lot of moments all the time, um, you know, even in the middle of frustration and, and craziness, which I've been doing this for 25 years. And so there's always, there's always something strange going on or changes, but even in, in the midst of all that, there's, there's moments all the time, every day where I think, oh yeah, <laughs> this is fun. This is, this is what I want to do and, and things are working. Um, and so even when, even if much of a, of a day or a week is like, feels like we're spinning our wheels, there's always a few moments here or there um, where I think, yeah, this makes sense to me. Yeah, I would, I would say I don't remember any one particular moment that like verifies or, or solidifies the choice I made to, to teach or what I, what I teach. I just think it's um, the interactions that I have day to day with the kids and talking a lot about current issues and things going on and you know, especially at the high school level where you have kids that are paying attention to news and trying to learn about these things in more detail than they have in the past and kind of get to be a part of that. And you hear a lot of different perspectives and people from different backgrounds kind of sharing their thoughts and opinions on things. That's what I think makes the class, uh, the government class so interesting is just because um, the, the main ideas of the government, the, the branches and the powers stays the same, but the people in charge and, and those uh, who are interacting with their leaders constantly is changing. And that allows for for everything to be relevant even in different eras of time okay and i know by being a part of the classes too the kids get really ramped up and fired up about certain subjects and certain part of the branches and stuff so it's really cool mm -hmm. to see that okay. um was anything i was just say another thing that that comes up now and then is getting messages or, or contact from former students um that are in the real world saying, hey, I, 
you know, this thing came up the other day and I remembered when we talked about that in class. That's always very encouraging and heartening. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, outside of LOHS, what kind of things are you guys involved in? Um, well, that's a good question. I mean, I have hobbies. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily though involved or attached to any one particular thing. I have a middle school son and a daughter who will be finishing fifth grade this year. So a lot of what I do is when school ends is Ubering them to and from various things they're a part of and, and either watching them participate or perform in their activities or taking them to and from different things. Uh, but hobby-wise, you know, spending time with my family would be probably first on the list. Um, when I have time, like we do right now, reading, getting caught up on some TV shows or series that everybody I hear about in class is saying, oh, this is really good, you should watch this, and then I never have time to do it. Uh, trying to find some time for that. You know, it's hard to do it right now, but we love to travel. We're trying to get all 50 states crossed off here as a family, and uh, we had some plans for the summertime. Hopefully we'll be able to do a little bit of that when things improve. So those would be some things that, uh, that I do when, when I'm not in the classroom. Okay, take some virtual tours of states right now. Yeah, I'm going to have to. Uh, it's the best that, best that we can do under the circumstances. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot like Mr. Kopek, much of my free time is uh, wrapped up with, with my family and my kids. I have a freshman, a son who's a freshman in high school, um, and he does sports and he's very active. So a lot of my time is shuttling him around from place to place, um, which is great because we get to spend a lot of time chatting in the car. Um, and then also I spend a lot of time helping out with my wife's business, trying to keep that going. Um, and then personally, one thing that I'm using some of this time for is uh, working with music. I've done some, I don't write any of my own songs, but I've been doing some amateur recording. I set up a little studio in my basement. So if I find a song that I really like and, you know, I'll spend some time learning that and learning the different instruments and then do some multi-track recording. And that's fun. And it, it takes really more time than it should for just, a, just to have a three minute uh, record of something that I've done. But um, I do that a lot. And then, like I said before, I'm running and doing puzzles and reading. Uh, Mr. Kopek, one that I just finished is called Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop about the two-party system in America and how sort of the issues with that and ways to change that moving towards a multi-party system. Mm. It was pretty good. I'll, I'll pass that, that along. That's in my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good stuff. Okay. Okay. All right, so look at the little list here. And what about high five salts? Because you're mentioning that mentioning that earlier, and I want to touch yeah. on that because that's a pretty popular topic among like Orion High School, at least in the students, getting like, ramped up about salt for some reason. So what sure. is high five salts? Sure. Uh, well, high five salts are a, a line of seasoning blends that my wife has created, uh, and she formed a company and, and created this product, and we've been marketing it. And um, They're just all-purpose seasoning blends that you would use on your food when you're cooking or to season your food afterwards. And they're, they're called high five because they work with the five tastes that your tongue recognizes. So when you use them, instead of just making your food saltier, it, it hits all these other tastes, the sweet, bitter, savory, um, and tart. And so they can really enhance the flavor and it's very simple. And you don't have to think about the science behind it. 
you just use a little bit of this instead of regular salt and everything tastes better. So, um, so part of it is just, we have this product that we're trying to sell and it's available in stores all over Metro Detroit and on Amazon and on our website. Um, but the other sort of real mission of that is just helping people learn how to make food taste better. And so that's what these, these Facebook live classes are all about. It's more about what are the tips that she's learned over 20 years as a professional chef um, and how other people can use that. So that's a big, you know, running a business and uh, trying to keep that going is an adventure and certainly in tough times like this. So that's, that's taken up a lot of our energy, but it's fun. Mr. Kovac, you're going to have to create a high five peppers next. <laughs> yeah, if I wanted to compete, I don't know if I want to compete in that marketplace. Uh, all I can say is that the products have a good reputation and it's well-deserved as a, uh, I'm not just a colleague, but I'm also a fan of the products. So keep those things going there, Mr. Amino. All right. I have some in my pantry as well. They're good. <laughs> nice. All righty. Looking. So with everything going on with the coronavirus, you guys are history teachers. So in you know politics, social studies, have you read anything about this in like textbooks and stuff? Anything like this before? I'm not really being grammatically correct here. But. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to defer to Mr. Romito here just because he's taught a lot more world history in his time than I have. I know there are a couple things that I'm sure we can uh, look back on with some connections to what's happening now. Well, it's weird saying it, saying it out loud, but of course the things that come to mind are the, the Black Death uh, from the, the mid-1300s <laughs> and the, the, uh, the flu pandemic of 1918, which it sounds super dramatic to make those kind of connections. But it, it, you know, it's in some ways it's comparable. Uh, what's different now is we have a lot more technology to be able to trace it and, and combat it. Um, so, and just more knowledge about how to deal with it and what the causes are. Um, so, you know, there's a lot in, in the news about early on people comparing this to the flu and saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just like the flu. Well, in 1918, the flu destroyed a lot of things. Um, and so if you handle it right, um, the results can be a lot better or less dramatic. And I think just inherently we're in a better position now. Um, but, you know, that, that, that 1918, and whenever we talk about World War I and we talk about the casualties of World War I, what sometimes gets overlooked is that the, the spread of the flu during and after that took a lot more lives than, than the war itself. Um, so it doesn't look like we're going to be in that dramatic of a situation, but that's sort of the, the, the most clear historical analog. Okay. And then just um, the quarantine, I think, is a good building point off of this. Is America in its history ever faced a, like a uh, countrywide quarantine like this before? Not that I'm aware of. Um, and that, you know, it's another thing is the economic impact, um, which is really, I think, unique and unprecedented. Um, just the speed with which the economy shut down. And so that's really an unknown is how that's going to all play out and how we're going to bounce back from that. Um, but in terms of the, like, 
pretty much nationwide stay-at-home orders, even though it's not 100%. Um, I think that is unprecedented. Yeah, you've seen stay-at-home orders at a local level, a city that's experiencing a riot or something from the past where the local or state government would step in. But on the scale of what's going on right now, um, where I still think a lot of it is coming from the state, but really being pushed by the, the information we're getting from the federal government on a daily basis, nothing I can think of at, at this large of a scale has taken place previously. Um, and, and that's one thing that, you know, uh, not being in the classroom for me as a teacher, there are so many things going on right now, none of which is under good circumstance, but whether it's the um, shutting down of the governments, the state and the federal government having to work together, uh, the massive increase in unemployment, the Federal Reserve, you know, uh, increase in the money supply to, to counter what the $2 trillion worth of spending the government just passed a week ago. Between my AP macro class and the government classes, there are so many things happening right now in the news that are extremely relevant to stuff that they're reading about or learning about um, that we would certainly be talking about and using as actual examples of things that are in the textbook. But, you know, instead of talking about the New Deal, we'd be talking about $2 trillion of immediate spending and how that would boost, you know, the, the logic behind how that boosts the economy, especially during a critical circumstance like we find ourselves in now. Even something as simple as the concept of federalism and the division of power between state and national governments and who should be responsible for taking these actions and who has constitutional authority to take action and who has more resources. And even if it makes sense for different states to be making decisions on their own, do they really have the resources that the federal government has? And so how do you balance federal resources but state decision-making? And then even within states, are there different regions or cities or counties that should be able should be allowed to handle things differently. And so where should the decision making be? Where should the resources come from? And that doesn't even get into talking about the actual policies. You know, what makes sense? Is a lockdown, does that make sense? Um, so th there's just so many, so many questions that can apply to all of these government and political concepts. Okay. There's a lot of unknowns. Indeed. It's kind of it's uncomforting. Yeah. A little yeah. jarring just to be really sitting is. sitting here and every day there could be something new in the news. It's like one day we're allowed to go to school, the next day we're not allowed for three weeks, and now it's the whole entire school year. It's just it's a little awkward and everything yeah. is going everything is hitting the fan. There's a lot of chaos. Yes. No, we're all used to, I mean, as students and as teachers, we we're we're used to certain timelines and we're used to certain schedules. And as I mentioned, we gotta start certain routines and like all of that has just been kind of thrown out the window here yeah. um, because, of, because of the uncertainty that you mentioned. You don't know what to expect. You don't know when things will improve. You don't know how well it'll improve. You know, it, it's, it's one of the big struggles in all of this is trying to determine um, both short-term and long-term the effects of what, what's going to take place over the next two weeks, two months, six months. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of things we just don't have answers to yet. Exactly. And a lot of people are not staying home. A lot of Teenagers just not staying home right now. Teens, man. Mm. Right. I have a little list I have here. Here's kind of a fun question that I thought would be fun. If you could do anything, if you were in office somewhere, what would you do? Mm -hmm. Just a random question. Mm -hmm. Fun. Relevant. <laughs> Very relevant. 
be an awfully tricky time to be in office. Um, yeah. Because you're going to have to make some choices that are, are not go going to be particularly um, popular in certain circumstances. I, I think the biggest thing that I would do, and I think the government has done a little bit of this, but it, the rollout of it has not been all that well received. And there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And that's how you, how do you help the smaller businesses to be able to survive? I think we're seeing that just mm -hmm. living in a community, um, whether it's you think about your restaurants uh, industries and your hotel industries, and, um, things that are used when people are traveling and on a day to day basis when people are busy. And right now people aren't busy and they're not traveling. And so a lot of those businesses are really hurting and they don't know how long they're going to hurt for. And you see the massive increase in unemployment. You have to give some relief to people um, as quickly as possible or else your, your situation is going to, to get noticeably worse uh, quite quickly. So I, I think if I was in office, that would be the biggest thing in the, along with all of the medical stuff that I'm not as informed on in terms of vaccination and testing, like those, those are certainly really important. But thinking from an economic standpoint, before I would even think about rolling the economy back out again when the safe time to do that is, what are we doing right now in the short term when 16 million people have filed for unemployment just like that? Um, that's, that's a big uphill challenge we have to work with because I don't see things getting better in the next month or two in that regard. Uh, it's going to take a while. I'd go a slightly different direction because I've thought many times over the last few weeks, I'm glad I'm not responsible for making these decisions. Um, and so if, we, if I was thinking in a different time, what is something that I'd be interested in, in addressing if I was in office? I've been reading a lot about uh, voting and access to voting. Um, and I just, I think I would try and do something to to deal with voting in America, um, to make it more equitable, more accessible, because um, it just seems so inconsistent from place to place. And especially in this time of, of quarantine, the, the, like an election took place in Wisconsin the other day, and it was, it was a mess on so many levels. But one of the things that was most dramatic to me is that the city of Milwaukee, which normally has 180 polling places, they only had five that were open on election day. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's one unique dramatic situation, but I think that happens to a lesser degree in, in every election all over the country. And so I've really been thinking about how, not personally how we can make it better, but ways to improve access to voting and the voting situation throughout the country. So if all this other stuff wasn't happening and I was in office, that's the kind of thing that I'd like to be addressing. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I like to see the differences between you two when it comes to that stuff. All right. Looking at the list. So uh, kind of we're, we're heading towards the end of the 30 minutes here, ending on a positive note with you know, school ending and kind of it being abrupt. Are there any good memories from this year with the students, with the classrooms, with anything that are kind of a highlight? Or something maybe out of the ordinary, like some memory that's like just stuck with you or resonated with you throughout the year more than previous years because it's more of a unique memory. I don't, again, I, I, I really enjoyed all my classes this year. So I, I have, almost all positive memories of everything going on. 
Um, and it wasn't just any one, um, one element, but it, it, I mean, it was just a really, it, it, the, the year seemed to be moving by pretty quickly and um, had a lot of good interactions and experiences and um, no one single element, uh, I, I would say, stands out other than just having, you know, students that seemed to be really interested in stuff that was going on and were, you know, asking some really interesting questions and we had a lot of good discussion. And um, I'm just going to remember those kind of moments of, of being able to talk about, and again, connecting stuff in an election year like we're having here, connecting stuff to what's going on and helping kids figure out what they believe in and who they might want to vote for if they're going to be able to vote in November. And um, th those are the things that I'll probably remember the most. And in terms of um, just like the broad overall school, the entire school setting and population, you know, I, I just, you know, I think you look back now on things like homecoming week and sometimes that can be pretty stressful. And, and, and as a teacher, you have to adjust your schedules. And But you also realize how important just simple things like that, having those moments within a school year are. Um, they, they, they go really fast when that time window comes. But when you look back on it now and you realize at the end of the year, some of the things that we're having to sacrifice and, and may not be able to have like the normal routine of how it usually goes, I think you appreciate the things that you did have in, in those bigger moments that are school-wide, like sellout, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I think you take a, a, diff a different look at that and a different appreciation for it, given our circumstances. Most definitely. It's, it's funny that you had mentioned homecoming and the pep assemblies, because I have this strange relationship with homecoming pep assemblies in that I always, I always dread them. And it's, it's, you know, with the change of the schedule and this and that. And I don't really know why that is because they're always great and fun and it's a nice moment and it, you get everybody in the same room. And, um, and so that was the first thing that, that came to mind, even something like that, that I'm not always particularly excited for, but always leave um, feeling like it's nice to do this. Even, you know, as, as serious as I am about class time and whatever, um, you know, to, to just step away from that and just have something fun for however amount of time. Um, I always feel really good about it afterwards. And so when you asked, when you asked about that, um, that was one of the first things that came, came to my mind. But then also a more sort of class related, in the last few weeks, we had done some stuff with the um, Orient Township and the people that are conducting the census and the people that are conducting elections. And we brought some people in to talk about that and to get student, um, volunteers to help and also to, to hire students to work on elections. Um, and it was fun to see some, some kids reach out to the community and community members reach out to us and try and get some more involvement there. So that sort of stands out to me too. Yeah, this makes you kind of realize with everything going on, life moves too quickly. And I know Jake and I are both, we're seniors and a lot of things were taken away or moved around and adjusted and it was a little frustrating and sad and sudden because like hey we're seniors we were here for 12 to 13 years our lives going through school like Oran, and now it's like we don't know so it's good to remember those positive times and those good memories throughout the year in high school the years of high school because we're not going to have it for the rest of our lives and this year was taken away too soon yeah and sometimes I, I sort of focus on how it's affecting my own family and I have a freshman in high school and a freshman in college and years from now, like this will be, you know, annoying, but probably just a blip on their sort of educational career. But I, I really feel for seniors who are, are missing all of those things that kind of 
make your senior year special and, and juniors who are, you know, with all the, the testing and college applications and stuff, like those second half of junior year and senior year, those are tough to be uprooted and um, messed up like this. So definitely feel for, for you guys. Thank you. Okay, and one last thing. Do you guys have any advice for anyone, students preferably, about this time and kind of what to be doing, how to keep positive? Maybe you can come from my own personal experience of the puzzles and the running and the <laughs> reading. I mean, sort of just a broad piece of advice is just to remain flexible. Um, and, you know, you got you to gotta have plans and you got to set things in motion but always be prepared for for that to change dramatically and i think this is, is evidence of that um and so you, you you shift you shift course in the middle of it and you know keep making plans but always have that in the back of your mind that this is plan a but there's a good chance we'll be going to plan b or c or d or e and, and just having 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 that approach can make things a little bit easier to deal with as things change. The, the two things that I have that's come back to me quite a bit throughout these three or four weeks here. One is the expression that you know life is ten percent what happens to you and ninety percent how you choose to handle it. And uh, there, I found myself at times during these weeks in that you know frustrated and down, and uh, I had this plan and I can't do that and. Is going to do this and I can't do that and and you know you can you can kind of live in that realm if you want to but really uh, you have to choose to have the right attitude about things especially when it's difficult and tricky like the situation that we're in right now is uh, the other thing that's really stood out to me is I've been someone and, and I think it's just because of our, our lives are always really busy that has always had all these things I've wanted to do if I only had time to do this or to do this or to do this I wish I had more time to do these things that time is there right now. It's, it's an opportunity to do some things that you have put off or have had on the wish list of wanting to get done or wanting to do, assuming you have the resources and the ability to do it. Uh, I, I have a list that I've been adding to here on a weekly basis of things. I, I've said I wanted to do this for a while. I should start that. Or I have this project around the house that I've been wanting to get done for two years and just haven't found time to do it. I have time. I am home. So trying to cross some of those things off and realizing that this might be a um, if you want to look at it the right way, this could be a good opportunity to, to do some of the things that you've always wanted to do if you had more free time and take advantage of that. Good tip. Sure. All righty. I think we're done with the podcast. Does anyone have any last words they'd like to say? Anyone? Well, thanks All for right. thanks for keeping this going and uh, just trying to keep those connections with the uh, school and the community and using technology to make that happen. Yeah, I think it's cool that you guys are continuing to try to get stuff out there for the students and the staff and the community to have access to uh, and, and just kind of make things continue to feel as normal as they can given the circumstances. But I always appreciate every opportunity I have to be a part of LOAM and TPW-based productions. So thank you for the invite. Thank you. I know we're going to try to compose a LOAM soon for the television production workshop. We're going to try to compose something. Nice. And also for anyone who may be listening that's not aware of. Do we know if LOIQ will be a part of this production? That's the big question that students will want to know. I think we should try to do LOIQ. I think we should create a Zoom somebody. A, a Zoom LOIQ. A Zoom yeah. LOIQ. I think that'd be go. awesome. Yeah.
I think that would attract viewers. I think that'd be really funny. <laughs> you gotta give the people what they want. There's a demand for LOIQ out there. I don't know. So you can make a quarantine intro. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So for the last time, this is Dragon Digest. I'm Delaney Rogers. I've been Jake Shore. I'm Tom Romito. And I'm Kevin Kopak. <laughs>